Good day, everyone, and welcome to my favorite time of the day, Sports in the Basement NBA show for October 16th. I'm BVA. Today, we're going to talk about a rundown of some recent training camp moves. We're also going to talk to my man Fetty and preview the Central Division. So let's get started. Focusing on our lead topic tonight, some key training camp moves. And since the start of training camp, we've seen a full collection of moons as we moves as we head into the season. And we'll start with some extensions. Obviously, we've talked a good bit about Joel Embiid's five-year, $146 million deal with the Sixers. Um, he's somewhat injury-prone in his past, but he's dominant when he's there. And really is going to be the key to whether or not the trust the process movement that the Sixers have undertaken in the last oh, five years or so will be a success. Also a little bit more under the radar, similar contract for Andrew Wiggins with the Timberwolves. He had it on the table for a couple months um, and did not take it and then signed it and the next day fired his agent, which was an interesting move. Uh, Wiggins is a pretty high scorer with the team last year, but he's going to need to improve to get more playing time with some of the vets they've brought over, including Jimmy Butler and that crew. So it's going to be interesting to see what role he plays this year, if he can continue to improve, and if the Timberwolves, frankly, can make the playoffs or not. We've also had some some kind of bummer injuries this year already. Uh, Dante Exum separated his shoulder. He's likely going to be out for the whole season, which is super rough for the Jazz. They're going to need everybody they can to try to make the playoffs. It's going to put Rubio into a much higher uh, importance within the team. Similar situation for Charlotte with Nick Batum, who injured his left elbow. He's only going to be six to eight weeks. They don't think it's going to be much longer than that. It's going to mean Jeremy Lamb's going to get the start at the beginning of the season. Malik Monk is likely to be somebody they try to bring along for that shooting guard position. Rajon Rondo, sports hernia uh, surgery is going to be out four to six weeks for the Pelicans. Um, it's kind of a big deal because the Pelicans are going to need to get off to a good start. They've got the two big men. They've obviously got Holiday as well, but Rondo is going to be a big part of that. And then the Sixers... Rashawn Holmes, probably a second string guy for them, is going to be reevaluating late October, but does not have a timetable currently. We've also got a collection of sort of miscellaneous things. Um, this past weekend, the Cavs traded Richard Jefferson to the Hawks, who immediately waived him, which means he's going to go through waivers. Um, unlikely to be signed there, but likely to be signed to a deal after that. Uh, his contract was guaranteed, so what that means is he basically is going to get the cash either way. Um, a lot of rumors he's going to go to the Bucks, which would be another. Uh, veteran guy to be able to help that team see if they can actually crack the top four uh, as we're going to talk about later with Fetty. Uh, CJ McCollum was suspended a game for leaving the bench during an altercation last week um, so he's going to miss their first game. He feels pretty trite about it um, in statements you know he kind of said I need to every game matters here I need to be more focused. Trey Burke who um, best known for playing in Utah was signed by the Knicks about a week ago, thought to be their starting point guard. He was like, oh man, this is going to be a great place. Picked up a key guy who's been around the league for a couple years and then was waived three days later. Not sure what that's about. Not a lot has come out publicly, but uh, needless to say, the Knicks are a little bit um, of a mess. And then three moves in terms of starting fives. Markel Fultz confirmed he will come off the bench, which we've been talking about in several preseason games. Jason Tatum will be starting uh, as they wait for Marcus Morris to come back. And interestingly, today it was revealed that Chandler Parsons will be coming off the bench. So some interesting things afoot in Memphis. Tomorrow we're going to go through a real preview, final preview, before the season. And then Tuesday we get the season. So with that, we're going to take a break. Come back with a Central Division preview, our last from my man Fetty.
Welcome back. Joining us now to help preview the Central Division. It's my man Fetty. How we doing, Fetty? Doing great. Let's do this, BVA. Go to the Central. To the Central. Um, so we'll start with the Cavs. It was a pretty crazy summer, as we've talked about for the last week or so. Um, one of the biggest trades of the summer was the Kyrie Irving to Boston for Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas trade. In your mind, does that make Cleveland a better overall team, losing even though they lost Kyrie? I don't know that in my mind it makes them a better team. It definitely makes them a different team. And um, it makes them an older team. Hmm. And uh, it makes them a team that... Uh, I don't know. It's different. And I know I don't know that different is definitely necessarily better. So, um, you know, they went out, they picked up D. Rose. They picked up D. Wade. They um, obviously got Isaiah in exchange and uh, Jay Crowder. So, but they, they gave up a tremendous talent. I mean, they gave up a guy who is uh, a young guy, probably, you know, accolade of having the best finishing ability at the rim. And um, they definitely got some of uh, some central division guys back in there. But these are two guys that are injury prone. Hmm. They're much older and they're both starting and they don't play defense. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot different uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest pros that people have talked about is you know having Crowder means that you've got somebody else to help deal with the mismatches that Golden State brings about, and it just seems so short sighted to me um, because you face. You know, a team like Houston or a team like OKC or anybody else were you to get to the finals and you're going to need somebody like Kyrie more than you'd need somebody like Isaiah or like Crowder. Um, that being said, you know, if the guy was asking out and you felt like you needed to get rid of him and you could get two pieces plus a draft pick now instead of waiting, you know, it, it it's not horrible. Well, that's that's the point. I mean, he was asking to leave. They had to get rid of him for obvious chemistry reasons, I think. And so that was it. So they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. But did it necessarily help him? I don't think so. I mean, I would much rather have Jay Crowder playing at the four against Draymond than I would Kevin Love. Right. But my problem is now Kevin Love's at the five. Right. <laughs> right. Doesn't that create almost an even bigger problem there? Yeah, I mean, would you would you expect him to shine against Zaza or even against JaVale? Like, well, that's the thing, because yeah. don't forget that Zaza is starting. Right. So on in the second squad, if now Tristan Thompson is going to play against the death lineup, that still puts him at a mismatch. Right. Well, and, and God forbid, like I was saying before, you you don't face the Warriors, and now it's what Kevin Love against Clint Capella or against Adams, like. You know, I, I just first of all, I don't deal in hypotheticals that do not involve the Warriors. <laughs> fair, fair. But uh, yeah, that's the thing, and that's only you know, that's only down low. Like, right. look at what's happening in the backcourt too. You have uh, like what kind of defense? Like D Rose, is he going to guard stuff? <laughs> right. 
for the first half of the season until Isaiah gets back? Or is he going to guard any Western Conference point guard in the first half of the season until Isaiah gets back? I don't think so. Right. And it's not like... And then when Isaiah comes back, I know I'm going to beat you to saying it. Yeah. When he comes back, what's going to happen then too? Yeah. So uh, they better be putting a whole bunch of points up on that board. That's all I got to say. Well, yeah. I mean, the... The other big advantage of this trade for the Cavs, at least from their perspective, is that they gain a lot of depth. I mean, they've suddenly got this 15-man roster that is pretty deep, you know, especially when we talk about, you know, Dwayne Wade was announced this past week. He's going to be in the starting five, which means J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson will both come off the bench. I mean, that creates one of the better, if not the best, second teams you know full five second team they can run 10 12 man rotation kind of second teams in the league but does that help them you know we again we've learned about the Cavs that they don't really care about the regular season wins total they care more about what happens when the playoffs but when you get to the playoffs you have the longer timeouts you have more time to be able to shorten your rotation to eight you know to even seven for some teams so is it really going to matter? Like, are we going to see Thompson? Are we going to see Kyle Korver? Are we going to see Channing Fry? You mean by the time we get to the postseason? Yeah, you know, or, and frankly, how are you going to fit those guys in the regular season? I mean, I understand we're going to try to rest LeBron, but still seems a little, uh, a little much. Yeah, I, I think we'll definitely see him in the regular season. You know, I think LeBron, the way that he he took it easy last year without having to go on sabbatical he um and in light of these new non-resting rules i think those guys will play but they'll still you know lebron will still play come january february but he he will uh a lot of that load will be taken over by some of these other guys yeah Yeah. So, so i'm sure we'll see the full fully rounded squad throughout the year but as you say when it comes to the end it's lebron james and that's the key. That's why this team, you know, is going to come out of the East. At the end of the day, they're going to come out and uh, they're going to have to deal with uh, whatever hand is dealt them at that point. Yeah. I mean, as you say, it, it comes down to LeBron. And I think that to me is the key of this team. You know, they're going to win, they're going to lose based on him. Do you, you know, he's a lot has been made. He's been historically healthy. For a superstar and for someone who's played as many games, as many minutes, how, whatever metric you want to use. I mean, are you betting on him? Are you betting on him? Like you mentioned, they're going to get through. They're going to be going to the West. You, you feel confident that he can do this for another season and take his team there? Oh, yeah. They'll be solid. Because even for them to have to get that number four spot, I don't think it's going to be that hard. Right. Like there may be a couple, you know, three other teams that are worth their salt in the East and to beat the rest of the field, I don't think is a big deal. Yeah. So I think they'll, they'll at least have home court advantage and they'll be good to go. And I think LeBron, he's still got it, man. He's, he's, and he's got to want to make this work. Right? right. I mean, the team went out and they took on a bunch of guys. They brought his boy D Wade back. You know, they made a lot of changes, which I'm sure were driven by him. And uh, he can't, he's not going to roll over now. No way. It's LBJ, man. He's he's ready to go. So you mentioned some other teams who are potentially worth their salt, as you say. Um, If we look down the rest of the division, the first team that people are starting to point to as even 
sniffing uh, the sort of upper echelon in the East would be the Bucks. And specifically, Giannis is getting quite a bit of early sort of uh, early MVP buzz, mostly because other guys, i.e. Harden is going to have to split his time with Chris Paul. Westbrook's going to have to split his time with Paul George, with Mello. Um, people seem to be hypothetically a little burnt out on Steph, but then could you give it to Durant? Because it go to LeBron. So Giannis would be sort of the fall if, you know, Kawhi continues to be injured, maybe. Kawhi, yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, is there any stock in this? Do you believe in the idea of Giannis being MVP level? It could be. I think it's probably still too early, though. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this team, I think, didn't they make the least amount of changes of any team? They're like uh, basically the same crew. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just a matter of them doing better through Giannis and the rest playing better. Right. And uh, I don't know. It's on him. Let's see it. Yeah. You know? It's not going to fall on Tony Snell, that's for sure. My uh, my knock against the Bucks has always been that I felt like Jason Kidd sort of had a, a Peter principle about him. Like, you know, he could only get so far before he hit his ceiling, wasn't going to be able to take them to the next level. What do you feel like is the ceiling for this Bucks team before they make any major changes, as you mentioned they didn't do? The ceiling is hard to point out because I, I think the ceiling is so high. I really feel, you know, there's so much talent there, especially with Giannis. It could go, it could go anywhere. The problem is it hasn't in years past. And so it's okay. Let me put a ceiling. Let me answer the question. Ceiling is, uh, top four in the East. That's fair. That's fair. And you know, what else just developed is this whole RJ thing. Yeah. And so if he ends up getting picked up in Milwaukee to rejoin Jason Cade, I think he would have a positive influence on this team. He could. And we're talking about Richard Jefferson for anybody who doesn't know our, uh, our acronyms. But I, I wonder if, you know, the, the Bucks have had this, this run of older guys. They had Jared Dudley. I want to say there's two or three other ones, guys they've had sort of be the veteran guy there. And it, you know, it's never really worked out. They still have Jason Terry as an example. Um, I don't know. Does it, I just, I just still don't know. Don't know. If, you know, they never moved on from the Greg Monroe situation. They gave him all that money and now he's backing up Thon maker in all likelihood. Um, you know, you've got, uh, like you say, a lot of talent, but like, it's all in the like four or five, you know, maybe three into that area. You've got Brogdon, who sort of defaulted into Rookie of the Year, but he's not one of the better point guards in the league, and he's backed up by Delhi. Tony Snell, Rashad Vaughn. I mean, it, it just is not a... I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like it's constructed to be a, a, a division-winning team, you know? Yeah. Chris Middleton, you left out. He's got to right. play better than he did last year. Sure. I mean, so... I don't know. I, so here's the other thing about the Bucks, just from just like a, a product standpoint, is do they have to play better? Right. Does it matter? Right? Like yeah. you want to watch them. Right. You want to watch this Greek freak, and you want to see what he does. Like, do you know? Are they really going to overcome these other teams? And do they have to? From a, I don't know what their ticket sales looks like, but 
uh, I mean, it's, it's, really, where are you going to go? How are you going to get this team to be the top of the East? Right. Not. Right. So. So quickly, we'll move through the other three in this division because I think we would both agree they're uh, either in rebuilding or in you know certainly struggling. We'll start with the Plus Pacers. And Michael Jordan. Right. Who probably when he made this garbage comment was talking about these teams. I just have to say. <laughs> We'll start with the Pacers, probably the best of the three. You know, obviously traded away Paul George. Um, they're sort of in this middle ground. They still have some decent players. Darren Collison, uh, Oladipo, who had sort of a weird year last year in OKC, but has a lot of skills. Um, Thaddeus Young, Miles Turner, Lance Stevenson, Boyan. Can we, I mean, it's a weak East. Is this the playoff team? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. No? Out. All right. Let's go to the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> Similar questions. And and it's important here because, you know, this year we get Reggie Jackson fully healthy back. But preseason, he and Drummond have not looked great. You know, Van Gundy's got to be on a little bit of a short leash here. He was sort of given the keys to the castle. And they haven't really made any big moves that have improved the team a whole lot. Got a new arena opening. What about them? Playoffs or no? Little Caesars. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, (laughs) Pizza, pizza. Uh, How about some free throws, free throws? He did okay in preseason. He did all right. (laughs) Slightly better. But he he could make free throws, but, like, couldn't play defense for a lick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They have problems. I think they they have some holes in various points of various people's games at, at, at different levels. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what Reggie can do. Drummond's got to put his defense together, as you say. And I don't know. That's another team. Like, where are they going to go? Right. You know, I think they just got to get some semblance of a, a functioning kind of unit, and then they can start to make some moves from there to add and subtract. Yeah. Uh, we'll finish with the Bulls. Um, emptied the cupboard to say the least. I mean, we talked about, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Dwayne Wade coming over to the Cavs, Jimmy moving up to Minnesota was obviously a big deal for them. They're pretty much in full rebuild mode. I think we would agree. They're probably not making the playoffs, but are they the worst team in the league at this point? No. Oh, <laughs> so what can we say about this team? I, <laughs> Hopefully, uh, they'll give a lot of playing time to a lot of these young guys that they want to develop, and then they will not trade them away for peanuts, and um, they'll get a decently high pick. Yeah. That's That's about it. That's pretty much the hope. (laughs) So the other thing is, I think, you know, this Jimmy trade is probably a year overdue. It's good that he's gone. It's good that D-Wade is gone. Like, they're basically at zero they can work out a lot of different things and they can move the ball. You know, they have a lot of guys that could potentially move with the ball very quickly and we'll see what Hoy ball is about to, to do. Right. right. So, you know, it's, I think the team is looking younger and quicker and all these big dudes that can jack up these outside shots. We'll see what their three pointing actually, uh, yields for them this year. They may go on some streaks if they can keep the ball moving. Yeah, but I don't think they have a lot of guys that can 
I don't know. Like, we'll see what their set offense looks like this year. Right, right. Fetty, I am excited for the season. Um, you're going to come back and join us on Tuesday for our uh, season opening show. Um, thank you for joining us to finish out these previews and can't wait for the tip. Let's do it. The final countdown. Yep. I will not sing that song now. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, I want to thank you for joining us. And we look forward to being heard tomorrow. You can subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and FeedBurner. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to be part of the show, email us at mba at sportsfromthebasement.com. Have a great day, everybody. 